All right, welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. This is episode 20. We're talking fact or fiction. That's a good song, man. I, I've actually seen them a couple times live, and uh, they're never gonna, never gonna do it again. That's, that's porcupine tree signify. That's right. That's good stuff. So this is this is Dave uh, across from me is Jason, and uh, since uh, the beginning of I think the 2014 uh, or 2015 season, I'm not I'm not even sure anymore. We'd have to dig back in the archives and find out when we actually started doing when a we weekly this? show. Yeah. I think it was like 2012. Well, that's a pretty long time ago. Yeah, Dave, we're I'm, getting old there. I'm like 68 years old now. We're at least 47. There's going to be some day where probably I'm... Probably closer to 80. I'm either sitting down doing a podcast or sitting in, a, in an old folks' home uh, and not remembering what well, I just said. You just had your 60th wedding anniversary, right? That's right. It's yeah. tough. It's tough to remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you say things like, oh, we were 55 years old, and then when you're 55, what do you say? I, I don't know. I don't really get how the whole aging thing works, so I'll let you know when I get there. Okay. Well, that's how it works. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just a, it's a progression that goes linearly kind of one way. In one direction? We can't circle back? Let's not bring young teeny bopper pop groups into this, okay? <laughs> we got enough things to talk circle about Circle back is both a young teeny bopper pop group and a really annoying business buzzed phrase. No, One Direction. That's, that's the name. <laughs> it actually is. Is their name really like a parable about time? Yeah, so see, he's clearly out, out of the uh, boy band era. I didn't realize boy bands got so deep. Maybe I should take a look at that. Two directions. Is 98 Degrees about like being healthy and having the right body temperature? Somehow, I, I don't think it has anything to do with medical industry. Are new, is New Kids on the Block <laughs> about accepting the new people that move in and, and liking your neighbors? This sounds like a different show. What are you, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> Uh, Dave, I picked up a sixer of the Modus Mandarina IPA uh, from Ska Brewing in uh, Colorado. Durango, Colorado, in fact. Have you spilled any on your laptop yet? Not, no, dude. I'm running a good streak of at least a couple of years without spilling anything on my laptop. So I'm very happy and proud of that fact. <laughs> There's no joke there, anybody. It's... No, that's very literal. I'm very proud of the fact that I haven't spilled on my laptop in a while. <laughs> I haven't had to buy a new one or anything. That was a funny show, though. We should we should go back to some of those clips. We should recreate, show. you know, one of those shows where, you know, oh, you don't get your computer now. We're two minutes in. Well, it could be like the the new Elton Brown series where he just chimes in the old self talking to the young self for no apparent reason. It would just be like, oh, I just spilled something on my laptop. I'd be like, why did you do that, you idiot? I think if anyone pulls that <laughs> off, it's Elton Brown. Yelling at his former self for both having too much hair and cooking his steak wrong. The problem with doing that concept with the fantasy football show is that we'd be like, we know who's going to score the points. Why did you pick him? Right, right. Back in 2012, we're going to be like, why did you start that guy? That was a stupid move. Well, back when Jason was like, I, I really like this guy Trent Richardson. I think uh, when he got traded to the Colts, uh, pretty good play. Pretty good play. You know what would be a great Easter egg to go find? The first mention of Cecil Shorts. Cheers. All right, <laughs> the Cecil shorts. No worries. Uh, well, hey, let's talk about uh, a little bit of what happened in week four. 
And then we can dive into some week five things, yeah? So, um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the entire game on Thursday night, Dave, but holy cow, I got to watch it. Uh, beginning to end, one of the best games of the weekend. Uh, only rivaled by the Monday night game, I would say. So, um, I was really happy. We got a good game on Thursday night football. I always bitch about Thursday night football. But if they're going to put a good product out there, a lot fewer people are going to be complaining about it. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, the last couple Thursday night games have been really good. And clearly, the, the NFL uh, knows that, that their Thursday night product was not the best, not uh, five stars. I challenged that. I don't know. Just because even the, Cleveland and the Jets was a was a really uh, a just good because game. that game was close doesn't mean it was good. Yeah, it was it was a swing. It was it was back and forth. Baker Mayfield came in for the first time. There was a lot of good stuff in that game. I, well, okay. he, he doesn't like those teams. So if, that's just... if that's your standard of good football, <laughs> then I feel like you don't have high enough standards. Oh goodness. So I I, I enjoyed the game as well. Okay, so what I want to know, you know, the Rams and the Vikings put up. Huge fantasy numbers. Generally speaking, if you had a bunch of Rams in your lineup on Thursday night, you probably won the week. Uh, so what I want to know is, is the, the ceiling. Did we see this, the fantasy ceiling for both of those teams, basically? Is Kirk Cousins, you know, a 32-point guy at best? Uh, you know, do we see the fantasy ceiling for all those players? Or do you think that uh, we'll probably see a repeat performance maybe from the Rams uh, a couple times this year? Uh, clearly both offenses can score a lot of points and actually both offenses have good defenses in theory. Uh, this is still early in the season, right? So you have teams that are not performing up to the standard of quality that you'd expect them to teams that don't understand what's coming from, uh, a couple of, of different kinds of offensive coordinators, um, maybe some plays and things they haven't seen yet. As the season develops, what always happens is, is that people have a lot of tape and then they are able to play better versus those offenses. Uh, that combined with all of the rules for the quarterback, um, as far as sacks not allowing weight on the quarterback, uh, certain kinds of hits, those rules are, are going to lead us to see those uh, Trubisky experiences um, in, any <laughs> the kind, Trubisky experience. High-scoring quarterbacks and wide receivers have been around for the last couple of years, but it's just going to continue because everyone is afraid on defense now to be getting penalties by tackling in the normal fashion that they're used to. Yeah. So there was many good sketches a couple of weeks ago. Well, I should say many sketches. I don't know if they were all good about how you have to baby the quarterback. And I think we saw fewer uh, sort of egregious penalties. But there was one really bad one again where, uh, was it uh, Baker Mayfield got hit but didn't even get knocked over, and they called the penalty on it? So I, I think that there's still some work to do. But it's nice to see that the NFL was able to sort of make an adjustment midseason and say, look, the, we're, we're not focusing on the right area. So hopefully it's a little bit better. You know, if, if they're not throwing the flag all the time and fewer quarterbacks are being injured, then I would call it a success. But until they stop throwing the flag so much, then, you know, or find the right times to throw the flag at least, uh, it, it still feels like it's way out of whack. Well, you can't have a new rule that affects all defensive players this particular way and expect for those players not to continue in the habits they've developed over years of practice and play. It's just going to happen. And 
the unfortunate part about the NFL is that the rule changes happen all too frequently, and we shouldn't be surprised that the flags are being thrown, you know, when they change things up so much. Yeah. But if you think that the NFL is headed towards a successful direction, then that's something I haven't heard in a long time. What do you mean? I mean, they're incredibly successful. No, no. Uh, you generally, as a oh, person... Oh, just me. Do not think that the NFL does a very good job with uh, these kinds of injury-based flag uh, or new penalty calls. And so if, if the words that you just said are ringing true in your head, then I am surprised and feel positive about the change that they're putting through. Yeah, I think that, you know... We can't make this flag football, though, because if we no, do... I, nobody's going to want to watch it. If we do, then it's over. Right. No, what what I am encouraged by is the fact that they've acknowledged that there's an issue and they're addressing it right away instead of saying, well, we'll look at it in the offseason with the competition committee. You know, to, to let a whole season go by where everyone gets upset about the same thing over and over is essentially being crazy about the whole thing. Well, there were there were certain things that have come up in the past, for example, things like not having a central office, not having uh, uh, for, for plays. Full-time referees. Not having full-time referees. They, all, they, they just started that this year, All too. those things are, are being them. addressed, which means uh, Jason has a main line to the NFL office. I have and, Roger Goodell and Speeddell. Should we get him on the phone now? And all of his requests are coming true. Yes. So as long as, for me, the game can still be a hard-hitting, aggressive, physical game, then it's okay. But Sure, you probably just have to watch someone other than the Steelers. Oh... Let's move on to some... Sorry, I, I took a cheap shot at your team. I wanted to point out one other rule real quick. Um, sorry to steamroll you there. The uh, well, I just want to make sure we're talking fantasy, that's all. The, the problem <laughs> that I think a lot of people had with the officiating in the preseason was the rule where people are uh, about like leading with your head, and everyone was getting flags on that, and they're not throwing that in the, reg- in the regular season. That's another way that I can see where they're sort of trying to use the rules to help the guys, but not at the detriment of the game. So, you know, we'll see where these uh, couple new rules go. Well, we know what's happening, and what's happening is that the wide receivers and quarterbacks and anyone who's catching passes is benefiting from these rules in general, mostly the quarterbacks, which allows for longer throws because uh, it's hard for defensive players to have momentum built because if they do, they will land on the quarterback, which is apparently a faux pas. Yeah. I, you know, it... I get, you know, all these rules are geared towards having more offense. And, you know, if that's... It's been the same for baseball, for basketball, for every sport. They always try to make the games more high-scoring, more entertaining. The The only way they can do that is by eliminating a little bit of the threat from the opposing um, defensive line. Yeah. So it, it it works, I suppose. I'm okay with that. Feedback. I have a track called Feedback. That's delicious. Listen to the sustain. <laughs> Alright, so we want to determine and separate fact from fiction right now. So there was a lot of impressive fantasy performances in week four. Guys who you weren't expecting to put up huge numbers. Um, one of the things I noticed, the quarterbacks went insane. It was seven uh, guys who scored over 30 points. So, leading that pack was Mitch Trubisky 
put up six touchdowns, 43 points in a standard scoring league, set several records for the modern Chicago Bears. Uh, Dave, are you buying or selling uh, Mitch Trubisky's performance? You know, do you like him for the rest of the year in a two-quarterback league, or is this a fluke? Well, not not all things have to be positive and negative terminals only, right? But I think it's clear that the offensive pieces that were put together and the play calling stymied the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that is all that is clear. They destroyed and wrecked the secondary of the Buccaneers. However, in my opinion, and not taking anything away from Trubisky's uh, performance, because it was great, but uh, I think you would agree you could still see him staring down receivers, you could see the lines, and you could see that a better team would have picked him off several times. I agree. Uh, that was one of the things I noticed when we were talking about the game when it was on, was that you know Mitch is hitting his first target. That's great. The guy's open, but he's also staring the guy down. And a defense that is better at disguising what they're doing is going to get two or three picks a game off of him well, the what, way he was throwing. What happened there, um, it'll probably be the best game of Mitchell Trubisky's career. Yeah, and it's a very high mark. Fun to watch. I watched it live, and it's, it's, always, it's cool to know, you know, uh, well, I, should, I say no. Know within, uh, within a shadow of a doubt, you know, that that was the best game that you'll ever see the guy play because it was just fantastic for him and great for the Bears offense and everything was working. But it's too hard for me to watch that game and, and see, you know, uh, t- to see those crossing routes and stuff like that and to, to watch the secondary and the defensive backs just not paying attention, um, looking at different things. I think one of the things that, that we always see from good performances and offenses early in the year or with new coaches that are that have different kinds of play calls and uh, the Bears certainly qualify for this because uh, the play calling is is out of the box and you're, time, yeah. you're seeing a lot of uh, trick plays and things that you wouldn't think would occur I would I would liken I, that I wish there was a better word than trick play I don't th- I when I think of a trick play I think of like when the Steelers had Heinz Ward throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl you know I would, or, or it I may have the names wrong but you know, I think it's stuff like that, that that you never really bust out. This is stuff that they're going to try to do ten times a game. Well, I would liken this to the, you know the beginning of the um, the Eagles uh, when they had the I, I forget his name, but the the coach from 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 college. I don't know why I forgot his name. Oh, you're talking about uh, the guy from Oregon? Yeah, no longer in the league, but someone uh, is listening and shouting his name right now. It's Chip <laughs> Kelly. Yeah, so so when Kelly first started there and all these things were happening, he was had cue cards with pictures on them, and you know these these kinds of things really stymie and and they freak out the opposing defenses. But Tampa Bay doesn't doesn't need to be freaked out and stymied because they already have a bad defense. And so the fact that the Bears, who have this newer quarterback, new play calls. Um, we'll just call them unique plays or plays that aren't often run in the NFL. Right. They New totally looks. that's for sure. They totally got them off guard and they didn't throw to the same guys over and over. They consistently spread the ball around, which I'm quite sure was part of the game plan. So that every time you know someone would cover Taylor Gabriel or, or cover Allen Robinson or, or cover Trey Burton or any of these other guys, they would just throw to another target. And I'm excited about the future for the Bears, but I don't think that we see this carrying on. I also think it it just happens to be 
uh, an incredibly bad time for them to have a bye. This happened last year to them, too. They won a couple of games, and then they went on bye, and when they came back, they were just flat. Now, they played Miami when they come back. It's a, you know... It's an okay matchup, but then they got to play uh, the Patriots in Week Seven, I think. See, I don't know if the Bears can beat Miami. I, I mean, it's not the hardest matchup. Let's you know be thankful for that if you're a Bears fan. Well, the the Bears were able to, um, with their great defense, take Fitzpatrick and continue what the Steelers had started in making him not, um, uh, uh, not magical any longer. <laughs> the Fitz magic has faded. And and that's fine. The Buccaneers still have tons of weapons. Winston will do just fine. But uh, we we are continuing now that what we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is Fitzpatrick was going to be great, and then he will fade down to reality, and then he will become a backup because that's what he does every couple years. Yeah. So uh, one of the things on the Bears side that was a little troubling for fantasy owners was that Jordan Howard only had 11 carries uh, compared to Tariq Cohen's 13. And why do you think that is? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, they seem to have a lot of fun using Tariq Cohen, but it's almost like the Bears weren't interested in just handing the ball off for the whole entire second half to, you know, help burn down the clock. Like, they are either not confident in their running game or maybe the coach just doesn't like Jordan Howard. I don't know. I think it's pretty clear, based on the way that they were spreading the ball around in the play calls, that he simply doesn't want anyone to know what's going to happen. And he's going to go to those players like Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen all the time because those are more explosive players they can throw in on a slant or a, or a small passing route. And the opposing teams are going to have all kinds of trouble with it. So if you don't want the team to know what you're doing, you're not going to do the traditional thing. And the traditional thing, uh, especially with history on the Bears right now, it would be to run it with a guy like Jordan Howard. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like Tampa Bay was stopping anything they were doing anyways. I, I think they would have been plenty effective just handing the ball off and calling it a half. But yet they continued to run strange and unique plays. And that's, I mean, that's a good thing, I think, for a young team to not let up in a game. I mean, to put up 38 points and then to say, we're going to put up another 10 easily in the next half. You know, to just say, okay, you know, don't stop now at halftime. Because that's what they did in the Packers game. So perhaps that's where this is coming from is, you know, we tried that in the Packers game and we wound up losing it. You know, we want to get that mentality out of our heads. I would just posit, you know, and put out there that this particular coach, uh, being this offensive-minded coach that wants to be known as someone different and someone trying new things, is simply not going to run the ball as much as a regular coach does. Right, and we saw, you know... This is a very exciting offense to watch, just like Kansas City is. It's just not going to happen. You know, obviously they're related, but we've already talked about the Bears far more this year than I thought we would. Um, and they're in first place, and they're doing well. But and they have good fantasy players. But in, we will continue to discuss them. But in general, the the fantasy uh, forecast for the Bears offense is not that great. It's very chaotic. It hasn't been, and it won't be. This game just happened to have six touchdowns in it. Yeah, I mean the Bears only had. I think four offensive touchdowns going into the game. Well, you can't imagine. You must agree that that this is not going to to carry on. Yes, nothing like this. I mean, if Mitch can throw three hundred yards and three touchdowns on uh, you know, uh, you know, five six times a year, that would make him a, a really good quarterback. That's not going to happen either. And that's what I'm saying. Like that's <laughs> how much of a uh, sort of aberration that game was. Right. 
So, you know, if you can sell people high off the Bears right now, go for it. Uh, I would also avoid Jordan Howard. Well, I mean, nobody's going to buy Mitchell Trubisky. No, but people might be interested in some of the receivers or Trey Burton. I I, I would say if if you could sell anybody, the the person to sell would be Taylor Gabriel because he's not a guy who's going to continue to get passes game after game. That's the product of several plays. Yeah, I mean, he was lucky. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to uh, Andrew Luck. He put up thirty five point six points. Um, unfortunately, the coach lost the game for him by going for it on fourth down. Uh, when you know, on, it probably would have just been a tie instead of a loss. But... I have to, I have to ask. So, are are we saying that you need to sell Trubisky and oh, not buy him? My bad. Uh, I that that's what I yes. say. Okay, yeah. I agree. He's he's fantasy fiction, right? Indeed. So Andrew Luck um, did have 464 passing yards, four touchdowns, a career high in both passing attempts and completions. Um, so it looks like. The questions about Andrew Luck's health are probably going to be put to rest with maybe another game or two where he plays well. And we'll know real soon on Thursday night if he can, you know, if he has trouble recovering from throwing the ball 62 times uh, and can't play in a short week, then, and I'm not saying can't play, but can't play well on a short week, then we know he's not quite there yet. Um, but if he can throw the ball well, uh, I think they're playing in New England. Um then, you know, I, I would say that I would buy Andrew Luck being a decent fantasy quarterback for the rest of the year. Yeah, so I totally agree. And, and part of that reason we'll talk about later, when you have uh, problems at the running back position, which, which they currently do, um, not necessarily all the running backs are bad, but they're not rushing the ball well. They certainly have problems there. And, and if you're not rushing the ball well and able to carry and, and make progress, then that means you have to pass the ball more and more, and then you're getting into those situational problems that uh, such quarterbacks as Russell Wilson have faced in years past, where you have to constantly either pass or run. Run for your life. And Andrew Luck is passing the ball. So as long as Andrew Luck is alive and up <laughs> and awake, he is going to be probably... Aware of the pass rush. Yeah, he'll probably average between, uh, let's say, 30 and 45 passing attempts per game which means that he's going to have a lot of games where he's scoring around 300 uh, uh, passing yards and a couple touchdowns, which it's a total buy for me. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, we didn't see the massive amount of Andrew Luck interceptions that we were used to, so that's a great sign. You know, if he can also protect the ball better than he traditionally does, um, I like what Andrew Luck is doing here. The Colts seem like, you know, they, they seem a lot better than their 1-3 record. At least. Well, this is one of those situations where we talked about the defensive issues as far as penalties are concerned, and some quarterbacks like Andrew Luck are only going to benefit from that. So he's always been a good fantasy quarterback, but not necessarily a real-life one because he would always kind of do the comebacks in the third and fourth quarter. Right. Um, but if he's unable to be to be sacked in some situations, if he has extra protection in the pocket that's artificial from some of these play calls, it can only help a guy like Andrew Luck. Yeah. Interesting stat from the uh, Colts game. Four players on the Colts tied for the long rushing play with seven yards. That was the longest rush of the day. Four players, four different players had it. Yeah, they're just not. That's uh, a weird thing. Not rushing well. Yeah, they they definitely need to uh, you know keep developing what they have on their team. 
Um, and they're not going to have T.Y. Hilton this week, so that's going to be a tough one in New England. And we'll we'll talk about that later, yeah. Yep. So we got Marcus Mariota, who had 31.36 points, won the game in overtime. The Titans are now 3-1. and one. Uh, That was a really impressive game. Before we talk about Mariota, I just want to know your thoughts about the Titans, Dave. Do you buy them as a you know, possible division winner in the AFC South? Um, so, so I like the Titans. Uh, and there's, there's a couple things that are really great about them. Uh, if you're just asking me a yes or no question about being a division winner. Do you uh, see them as the favorite right now to win the division? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say division winner. But, okay. but I think that it's possible now that they're clicking a little bit that they could could definitely make the playoffs. Yep. So Corey Davis had a hell of a game. Uh, Taewon Taylor, Deion Lewis, uh, Tajay Sharp all had uh, a bunch of targets in the passing game. Um, where are we going to find the other fantasy value on this team? Is it just Corey Davis? Is there some value there in the running game? What do you like on that team other than Mariota? Well, again, we'll talk a little bit about this later as far as the running game is concerned. But okay. in, in my opinion, Corey Davis is a um a top 20 receiver in most games because he's going to be peppered with the most targets especially with Delaney Walker no longer on that team this year and Mariota has always been a talented quarterback but you have to uh, harken back to the nerve damage that happened in his fingers earlier this year so from what i understand from listening to a couple doctors talk about the situation that he was in the nerve damage in his fingers has abated as far as the symptoms that he was having from it, which means that... Probably numbness and stuff. Which means that now he has better grip and feel of the football, and you're seeing that uh, as well as a little bit more self-confidence in the team because, in my opinion, the, the Titans have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and I think that that's going to step up now that their offense has improved, and we're going to see that uh, most experts across the fantasy realm have Tennessee uh, as number one this week versus Buffalo because Buffalo has a new quarterback because they don't have a very good offense. But I think that you're going to see the Titans be a top five defense across the year because they have really great players. And because that's happening, Jay, um, you have this opportunity now for the Titans to win games without scoring that many points. Right, and as we've seen, they can kind of rally to you know score enough points. They scored ten in the fourth quarter, six in overtime, um, you know, to go ahead and beat the Super Bowl champion Eagles. So that was a good game by the Titans. So it's it's tough for me because I don't necessarily think that that Mariota is going to be a top ten quarterback, which probably means that he's not a good recommended start in a redraft league for me. But I would say that he is a high-end quarterback, too, uh, and a good streaming fill-in. So as far as buying, um, if you need a backup quarterback on your team or if you're in a two-quarterback league, I would buy Mariota. I think that he is still a great quarterback who's young and talented. But uh, for a a starter in a redraft league, I would not pick him up. Yep. Uh, So Mike Davis... uh had a finally a good performance from a Seattle running back, 24.4 points. Uh, what's his name? Chris Carson did not start the game. so Right, what's his name? It was going to be between Davis and uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, Penny got a, a decent amount of attempts, but Davis had two touchdowns, which is what really pumped up his stats. So uh, do you see any value in the running game in Seattle at all, or is this just a fluke? Are you going to buy or sell? 
haven't we seen in Seattle this happen several times where they have a lot of people that should be the starter and none of them end up being the starter instead forsaking those people for someone who's uh, before in the background and he gets several games in a row where he does really well. I think this is the hot hand formula. Um, you know, Rashad Penny, yeah. Chris Carson, CJ Procise. Honestly, man, uh, I know you have some of those guys in your team. So do I. So does everyone. Sure. But who cares about them? They're not getting any play. So who's the person who's going to be the best guy on the team going forward in the next couple of weeks? I'll, I'll give you a guess. It's Russell Wilson and that's it? <laughs> no, I, I would <laughs> oh, say... you mean in the running game? I would say they're going to keep playing Mike Davis. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Why would they stop? They wouldn't. I, I mean, the only reason why, that I can see is that he hadn't done anything this season until this game. But that never – it doesn't matter to Seattle. It's like as soon as Marshawn Lynch left, the it was just really a roll of the dice for for the Seattle <laughs> yeah, Seahawks. So I would say they, they keep playing him until he, he starts not doing as well. And the problem with Seattle this year is simply going to be they have so much pressure on him, offensive line problems. So he's never going to be your running back one, maybe not even a running back two. But uh, if you can put Mike Davis uh, in there as a flex play – uh, I say he has a, a good chance going forward the next couple of weeks of still scoring you, uh, you know, eight to nine points. All right. I like that. So uh, short-term buy. Yeah. So it's a rental. Oh, I like that. Is the, I think is the term. You can throw a little, a little <laughs> curveball in there. Um, oops. I just clicked on buttons without looking. So Taylor Gabriel, the guy we did just talk about earlier, 23.4 points, caught two touchdowns. Uh, based on what you said earlier, I think you're selling on him. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I don't see him developing. Like, he had a career game, just like Trubisky. So, gadget player who's really good, don't get me wrong. In a gadgety offense. And I think that he'll be continually used. If you look at the receptions he's had over the past couple games, uh, it's been between five and seven. So, you can use him on a PPR league. But uh, as much as you want him to be the guy who's scoring the gadgety touchdowns, if he starts doing that on an every week basis, he'll be double covered and therefore um, eliminated from fantasy relevance, which means that our, our coach friend of the Chicago Bears is clearly going to only use him every couple games. Yeah, the thing about Gabriel uh, and most of the Bears' offense is that the passing game is the very short game. It's essentially just like a dressed-up run game. Because Gabriel, going into the game, had a bunch of, like you said, a bunch of five catches, four catches, six catches. But his high was 34 yards. Because Trubisky is dipping in, in uh, you know, just dipping the ball off because he's being attacked, because he's not uh, been that great of a, of a quarterback early in the season. Yeah. So if, if what we agree on to be true is actually true, then when better defenses and people more prepared play the Bears – they're going to have uh, more of an impact on Trubisky and is going to be a little bit um, less of a show for some of these guys like Gabriel. But there will be another game, or maybe two games, where the guy has a touchdown in 100 yards. It's just you you can't count on them, yeah. and you can't buy them for that because it's not consistent enough uh, because he might score you four points. I, I do like him in a PPR league, in a deep league. Uh, as a 
bye week fill in uh, with a good matchup, or even a WR three if you want to, you know, have upside. It's got to be a PPR like league, though, in yep. my opinion. Just, Other, otherwise, you can't he's going get three, three points. points from a guy. Exactly my point. At he's, least with the PPR, he's up at nine or you know eight nine points. He is only relevant in the PPR league right now. Okay, but I definitely think that he is relevant. But you're not buying him because this was like maybe his best game of the season. Exactly, exactly. You're you selling know, him. Pick him up and try to trade him or whatever. Um, that he is, you know, he's not all fiction. He's like one of them based on a true stories. You know, one of the the hardest things for for fantasy players to do, and I know this because I've I've known so many, and and you know, obviously have been in a lot of because you're a myself. real life fantasy player. Yep, that's right. Uh, fantasy manager, I guess, right, <laughs> is is to pick up someone who has done very well and then immediately offload him. Most people will not do that because they look at someone on the wire and say, look at what he just did. I want that on my team. But technically, if you look across um, the broad spectrum and history of all the things that have happened over the past 10, 15 years uh, in the NFL and the football fantasy spectrum – what you should do when someone has a big game is very clear. It's you pick him up and you give him to someone else for a little bit of his value because his value will not hold. Let them decide how to start him. No, I mean, don't, don't you have the same problem? Whenever someone does really well, you want him. But honestly, statistically, and, and looking at risk judgment, et cetera, sure. you should just trade him to the highest possible bidder. I, I agree. And, but what just pops in my mind is... A guy who I picked up in a couple leagues last week, Kelvin Ridley, who I still put in the lineup, and he puts up another two touchdowns. It's tough when you actually have success with those guys to let them go. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't happen. Um, there's breakout plays um, uh, like Kelvin Ridley, for example, where that guy is a rookie and will probably, as long as he's healthy, be a mainstay of that passing offense. And that's what he was drafted for, to be the WR2 to Julio Jones. And that's awesome that he's breaking out this year. But a guy like Taylor Gabriel, who's been in the league for a couple of years, and he's known to be a gadgety player, and he's on a gadgety offense, yeah. uh, he's, he's clearly a sell. Yeah. All so, right. you, so you agree. I sense some hesitation in the force. I, well, I mean, yeah, we're calling him a sell, but I'm also recommending that you pick him up off the waiver wire at least. You know what I'm saying? If you're selling him, I guess. In order to sell him, I guess. But if you're in a standard league, you don't even pick him up. Right, right. right. Standard league, move on. Next player. He's a flash-in-the-pan kind of situation. So a guy who you can use in a standard league is Jared Cook, I think. We'll find out. We'll determine this in a moment. But he's being plastered with targets. He had 22.9 points. He's third in targets on the year at his position in tight end. Uh, For some reason, his ECR on Fantasy Pros is garbage every week. (laughs) Um, he is the top fantasy point scoring tight end this season, ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of Zach Ertz, ahead of obviously Gronk, who is not playing uh, his best football. Um, but Jared Cook on the Raiders' uh, offense, which you know, I don't know, they'll probably be playing from behind a lot this year. Do you think that Jared Cook is like a solid, you know, top five tight end the way he's been playing? Uh, so, so I agree with you. Uh, for the most part, and I think it takes a couple games for the experts to to think that it's a trend because a guy like Jared Cook has perennially been a guy that has all the possibilities of success in the world but never actually puts it together. 
And on this offense, and over the years that he's played, it seems like he's finally clicked and is is exactly what you want in a tight end in fantasy, which is the perfect uh, safety belt slash you know first down uh, kind of uh, uh, go getter that you're looking for. And I, I have him now at, at number four, and I think most experts would agree at this point that he's a top five play every week because it's a trend now and I would absolutely buy him uh, but the problem with saying that is that you're going to have to pay a lot now to get Jared Cook and so if I'm talking about buying as in trading for him because he's not available I, I was I, I meant more as in do you buy what they're doing you know yeah so if we if we look at mean, it like are you trying to trade for the player and if we look at it as fact versus fiction you know uh, which has a slightly different connotation then I think the answer is fact uh, this is the first year that Jared Cook has actually put everything together. In the past, he's had games that were high points, but he's never strung them together. And so now he is a great fantasy play every week in a year where tight ends have been uh, chaotic. Fantastic. What, your opinion? No, I was trying to play a clever sound bit, and it didn't work out. <laughs> Sorry. Just a little... Uh... <laughs> behind the scenes for y'all so you, I, I really like jared cook. so you like cook i really do let's, uh, let's move on then. yeah so nick chubb the hottest thing in the league since antone smith all of you remember antone smith right if you're a hardcore drink five fan you remember us gushing about antone smith for no damn reason really um but uh chubb had 105 yards on three carries and scored two touchdowns there you go so um clearly he looks great is he in line for a lot more touches, or is this going to be a weird thing where Hugh Jackson doesn't know what to do with the players that are in front of him? Yeah, the the Browns uh, drafted a couple of interesting rookies. They've been doing that for the past couple of years since they're the worst team in football. Yeah, but uh, they've they've really hit something on Chubb, and I know he was one of the highest drafted fantasy football players because he's he looked like such a great. Uh, running back and kind of fully featured overall in college well there's no reason why they shouldn't develop a, a great running game and they're going to do that with Chubb especially because one of their other rookies on the other side of the ball Antonio Callaway who everybody grabbed up immediately after uh, Josh Gordon left thinking it would be the same side of the ball uh I, I guess I guess I just mean the other side of the field like you know he runs down on the outside rather than the inside yeah okay uh, I, I think that the fact that uh, the coaches are all saying we're going to give him a step back, uh, he's had too many missteps, he's, uh, he's not doing everything that he should be doing. Uh, those rookies, as far as wide receivers rushing down the field and, and being speedsters, that's really tough. But Nick Chubb is going to have a much easier time of it, and the Browns need to develop a running game to make everything else work in the offense with a new quarterback. And therefore, Chubb becomes the number one running back on that team and easily a uh, top 15 option every week. Wow, that's, uh, that's big. He is uh, slightly buried on the depth chart behind uh, new father, Carlos Hyde, and uh, Duke Johnson. He's not, though. He's not a new father? No, I mean, those guys are... are those guys... <laughs> the baby story was fake. Those guys are like, uh, you know... You're right, he's not buried. Duke Johnson's a third down guy. They're like thin tapestries, you know, separating uh, him from another room. It's not going to be difficult. Okay, so yeah, I mean, the the Browns look like they finally hit on some rookies. Antonio Callaway, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, and Denzel Ward on the defense. 
So good on the Browns for uh, pulling themselves out of the NFL basement. They've been bad. Um, so, uh, that's the end of the Chubster. So we have a, a question here uh, submitted over on Instagram saying, are the are the Bears better than the Steelers? Um, and is Tariq Cohen a legit RB2 as opposed to a mere flex play? I have a question for the Instagram person. Are they trying to start a fight on the podcast? <laughs> are the Bears better than the Steelers? I think I've, I've always been pretty uh, even keel when we talk about fantasy football because uh, it's it's just the way you have to be. You got to separate your uh, teams that you like. You from, definitely do from what's happening in the real world. And, and and you have to go both ways. You have to be willing to pick up guys that you don't like. Uh, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. It all, only matters if they score points for your team. And that's how the uh, NFL owners look at it. Look how successful they are. Sure, I'm not sure what the connotation of that is either. So, can you repeat the question one more time, and let's get into it? Are the Bears for real? Are the Bears better than the Steelers? Is Tariq Cohen a legit RB two as opposed to a flex play? Are the Bears for real? Not yet. I do believe that the cast will, the cast they have right now, will see a lot of success. I don't think it's going to happen this year. The the Bears, but they have, probably will make the playoffs at the rate they're going. The Bears have a great defense. Everybody knows that right now, mostly because of, of Mac uh, energizing what was already above average. And uh, their offense has been pretty poor with the exception of this last game. Their defense is incredible, but as we discussed for like 10 minutes at the top of the show, the league is structuring its rules to benefit the offense. So your defense is only going to take you so far. The second part of that question was, are the Bears better than the Steelers? And I say right now, no. Despite the records, no, the Steelers are still a better team. And when Le'Veon Bell returns to the Steelers, and if he returns to the lineup, then absolutely not. They are not even close to where Well, the if Bears you're are. talking about like just pure talent and offensive positions, then yes, they're not a better team. They're not playing better right now, but they're a better team still. Is Tariq Cohen a legit RB2 as opposed to a flex play? The, the answer is that Tariq Cohen should never be an every week running back starter on your team. Unless you're in a PPR league. Right. Flex play during bye weeks makes sense. Um, if you're in a deep league, he may find your way on the bench, onto your lineup, that is. But he's definitely not an RB2. The problem is that is this whirlwind that's created of noise when, when one team does really well for a week. And we look at guys like Calvin Ridley, like you mentioned, where and I'm gonna take all the credit in the world for this, but the the last time that we were <laughs> the last time that we were talking a couple of weeks ago and I said that this the last is time your, you were with us talking. That this is your last chance to pick up Calvin Ridley and then he scored two touchdowns in subsequent games. That literally three and then two. It literally is your last chance, and it was, and that's not going to happen every time someone does well. Yeah. So this this bear situation as of now, currently, is is due to the situation with that particular team in that particular day with that particular defense. Um, it's not to say that they they couldn't suddenly uh, you know keep the the pace picked up, but for right now, oh the pace are you making puns here? <laughs> but but for right now, uh, the the Bears are we'll see they're improving, and that's. You know, that's good for everyone to see. They're a wait and Put your feet up and lean back. Oh, that's not the button I wanted to click. You don't have to say that. No one will know, you know. I know. I just, you know, talk out loud. Oh, 
So that's cool. And we will tap you again later for some of that Calvin Ridley quality, you know, level advice. So uh, this week, uh, we have several big names that are coming back. They're returning from either injury or suspension. And when players have been off for several weeks, you want to know how are they going to fit back into their team. Are they worth starting, um, or do you want to hold off until you've seen how they're integrated back into the team? Uh, so first on the list, we've got Devontae Freeman. Um, as of this morning, Wednesday morning, the, the 3rd of October, uh, Coach Dan Quinn says that he expects Freeman to be back. Um, right now, Tevin Coleman, with Freeman out, is averaging 15 carries per game. Uh, that is good for a measly 3.6 yards per touch, though. Uh, so do you expect Freeman to get the starters carry of the shares when he goes back? They're playing the Steelers. Uh, based on how the Steelers' defense is playing, this will probably be another high-scoring game like Atlanta's been involved in in the last many weeks. So, uh, Devontae Freeman, start or sit? Start or sit? That's Well, yeah. Uh, clearly, if you have him on your team and he's coming back, you're going to start him. Uh, I, okay. I, I happen to think that uh, against the Steelers in particular, uh, a pass-catching running back is better than a between-the-tackles. So I would say that a guy like Tevin Coleman, who may not have been doing as well in that Freeman role, will probably excel this week. Sure. Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. Devontae Freeman has stymied fantasy owners many times. So, and- so I mean, could you then see a, you know Freeman getting 15 carries and 50 yards? Yes. And Coleman doing all the work. Absolutely. But what's happened in, in most of the Steelers games lately, they've been giving up big passes for touchdowns, not not the running plays at the goal line. So three more touchdowns for Calvin Ridley. <laughs> so what, what that does mean, and what I do suggest, is I guess if I have to put a tag on it, it's Sit Freeman. Okay. Because, you, you know, with, with everybody on this list, you've gotten by so far without them. So, you know... To varying degrees of success, I'm sure. Well, I will say that I, I feel like Tevin Coleman will have more points than Devontae Freeman, even though that is, is clearly not what should happen. Sure. I, I, I also see it that way where um, it could be a, a good Coleman game, finally, now that he doesn't have the burden of getting smashed 15 times per game. Well, do you know who does really well against the Steelers? Because I've seen all of their games in their entirety. Who, like, who plays well against the Steelers? Yeah. What positions? Oh, what positions? Um, I would say the outside receivers have been playing very well. Outside receiver because of the safety problems. Yeah. Um, a, a cross route tight end because of the way that they're playing uh, some man like they don't normally play. Okay. And pass catching running back because they're holding back farther because of their issues in the secondary. So those three positions have generally been very well uh, uh, uh Done very well against the Steelers yeah. this year. I expect this to be a game both teams score at least 30 points. Yeah, it's a high-scoring game, which regardless of, of how you feel about either team and, and who you're picking to win is going to be great for all your fantasy players. Yeah. So if you really need Freeman, I'd go ahead with him. But if you don't, I would just wait a week. I think we sit on Freeman this week. I would agree. Um, I will probably sit him in at least one of the leagues where I have him. Uh, Joe Mixon is not cleared yet. He is expected to play. Mixon is needed on the team, on the Bengals, because Giovanni Bernard cannot last that long as a main running back. Uh, Bernard's already banged up. He's not been practicing this week. He played very well with Mixon out, um, which is a credit to Giovanni Bernard because he is not built to be a main running back, uh, much like Tevin Coleman. 
So um, the Bengals' offense is playing very well. Mixon should be able to produce, uh, return and produce right away. I'm starting Mixon this week. Um, and just to give a matchup on that, the Bengals will be hosting the Dolphins. So I have Mixon ranked as the number 14 overall running back this week. I have um, Ooh, I, like I have my doubts because he had a knee injury, um, and it looked like he might even require surgery, but they backed off of it. So there's two possibilities. Didn't they give him like the little cleanup procedure sort of thing? You mean a scope? Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll do a little digging. What were you saying? Perhaps. Um, but, but the question is this. This happens a lot with uh, running backs and people that have to do a lot of cutting in the, in the close quarters positions, specifically. Um, so when this does occur to someone who, who almost specifically has to, has to be healthy just in the knees uh, and legs to be able to drive those yards, we find that in, let's say, um, a quarter to a half of those cases of these kinds of injuries, they re-injure themselves because they're not completely healthy. Yeah, he did have a cleanup procedure done. At the beginning, they were fearing that he would need arthroscopic surgery. They didn't do a I'm scope. sure would it take. A scope takes four weeks or, or three to four weeks or something. Well, this was back on September 14th. Right, right. But you said, was... you said they had a cleanup procedure that was not a scope. I didn't say anything about a scope. That's arthroscopic. Uh, knee surgery. Oh, that's what they that's what they feared they that he needed. So it must not be as as you said. You don't like to say scope. As you said. Scope. I'm not down with the <laughs> with the medical lingo scope. like you are, dude. Scope, scope, scope. Well, you know what? I follow a couple doctors on Twitter that used to be part of the NFL and some that still are, and I would recommend that uh, one of these uh, podcasts we should do a little segment which is just 5 minutes on who you should follow on Twitter. Um sure. However, you, you've got a great wealth of knowledge there. Yeah, but but again, you have a procedure on your knee like that where they're scraping things out of the knee. Uh, and I, I would think that a lot of those times, and this is backed up uh, not just from, um, from, from what I think, but what's actually happened over the past several years, is that he's in more danger now uh, because we don't know how, how he's going to perform uh, when he starts to put weight on that knee uh, of coming right back out of the game. So do you know all those times where you start somebody and you think that they're all good, and then they like go in and then they limp off, and then you're like, oh god, yeah, like that's a that could be happening with Joe Mixon over the next couple of weeks, and I don't want it to happen, which is why I have him ranked 14. I think that Joe Mixon is the caliber uh, of a top 10 running back uh, every single week in the NFL, but if he starts having these problems with knees uh, and they continue, then it's just not going to happen. So, so th- I guess it's. It seems like they may be pushing him back a little early out of necessity. I guess it's you have to start him, but I'm expecting in the back of my mind for like to see like some gingerness. Ooh, never a good sign when there's gingers around. <laughs> so yeah, Geo is not practicing, so I really see you know Mixon almost for sure starting at least. You know, as long as he can get cleared to play, medically speaking. Well, can I get the, uh, produce- the small glasses producer to grab me a beer? Thank you, thank you. Perfect. Uh, so next on our list of returning guys is Julian Edelman. Um, so never have the Patriots needed a small, gritty white guy more than uh, Julian Edelman right now. So um, <laughs> sidetrack, have you seen the, the gritty mascot, Dave? I don't know what you're talking about. Is he haunting your nightmares, Dave? 
Anyways. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the gritty mascot? You don't spend enough time wasting your time on the internet. I do not. Okay. I uh, used to. I used to. Yeah, you would have been all over gritty back then. <laughs> no. Uh, I have no idea who that is. Is that that means that I guess I just am not on like message boards. It's the worst. Allow me to just set the table for him. It's the worst mascot ever. So the worst mascot. The well, NHL told the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Who that was you, it? The mascot for the Flyers. The, the Philadelphia Flyers. They said you must have a mascot. You're not allowed to no longer have a mascot. They said no, no, no. We don't want a mascot. Mascots are stupid. Nobody's gonna like it. And so what they did was essentially design the worst looking mascot ever. So this guy is orange and crazy looking and uh, gives small and, uh, you know, teenage children nightmares. So what you're saying is go go check out Gritty online. There's going to be some memes and stuff. Go Google the Gritty mascot. Oh, there's just endless memes already. Yeah, I'm not familiar, but I will check it out for sure. Where, where are we at here? <laughs> so Gritty. Yes. A Gritty, another Gritty guy, Julian Edelman. Uh, returning from being suspended for what I can only assume are the worst steroids ever. Because, you know, he's not a big guy. What the hell steroids was he taking? Uh, so, Edelman returning, getting passes from Brady. It's like riding a bike, right? Everything's going to be fine? I, I would say, again, uh, that I think that the Patriots um, do better in uh, October and later after they've accomplished some... Um, I, I guess just figuring out what they're doing wrong or, or what the other teams are doing right. So I would say that, that, in my opinion, we can put this to bed and Edelman should come out and suddenly be uh, WR1, in, in, at least in PPR leagues. Fantastic. I'm totally starting Edelman uh, where I've got him waiting to go. Very happy about this. Yeah, I, is there a reason why we, we shouldn't? I, I don't I don't know one if there is one. And, you know, he's coming back. Um but I, you know, I, I can't think of a single reason. He's coming back, and it's a Thursday night game, so he's going to get more rest after that. It's not like he was injured. Um, you know, full steam ahead on Julian Edelman. Yeah. Another guy who can probably be full steam ahead, Mark Ingram. Um, so the Saints are the rich getting richer with Ingram returning for them. Uh, he had a stellar year last year alongside Cal- Alvin Kamara. Calvin Amara? No. Um, so I, you know, I don't see how that's going to change too much. They're obviously able to use both backs to great effect to uh, put up tons of points and lots of fantasy points for all of us. Um, so, you know, the one thing the Saints offense has been missing is that sort of reliable bruising up the middle running game. So um, I believe that Ingram coming back is going to make the Saints the best pass and run offense, you know, combined sort of balanced offense in the league, uh, only slightly better than the Rams. But just a hair better now. I don't care so much about the about that, but I agree with you. And uh, I have Ingram currently at 16, but I will also change the rankings before uh, uh, Sunday. And I wanted to see him uh, practice a little bit, and I wanted to hear some more from the coach. But right now, all I'm hearing, if I remember correctly, because I, I, I don't have the quote in my head, but all I remember is that we'll figure out how we're going to use him. Obviously, we're going to use him or something like that. So I, We'll I, figure out the balance. Yeah, so I have a feeling that he gets uh, what he usually got, which in this case, because Kamara is is fantastic, they love him, You know, no reason not to use him, but I think you see a 60-40 split or something like that. And that's kind of what happened last year, where Ingram was still scoring a touchdown and 80 yards, even though he was only getting 12 touches. Last year, Ingram averaged 18 touches per game. Yeah, but because the beginning of the year was more, and then the end of the year was less. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I expect it to be less right now to start and to maybe be able to ramp up. No, point then, is... As they're sort of wearing out Kamara, they need to, you know, make sure that he lasts all the way through the playoffs. The point is that they were they were the, the best tandem last year, and there's no reason why going forward they shouldn't be one of the best tandems this year. And because he's so fresh, having not even played yet, uh, I he's going to be angry and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, he's a free agent next year, and so this is him, uh, you know, playing for his contract. Uh, and we know how that goes. Uh, y- you need to play for your contract as a running back. Ingram will still get another contract in this league unless he injures himself grievously, and so he needs to go out there and prove himself. Yeah, so you- you're definitely right on with the sort of touches he was given last year. Now, the passing went up a little bit more in the end of the year, but after uh, week nine, uh, he only had a maximum of 14 carries. However, he scored uh, five touchdowns on the ground during that time. Yeah, so it, he was still fantasy relevant. Well, Ingram is just as good as as Kamara, you know. But Kamara's younger. Kamara's better. Ingram, I mean, Kamara is a special. Ingram player. was a is also a passing back. He can catch the ball. He can block. He can run. He can do all the things, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we we always think that Sean Payton has something against Ingram because it's true. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Even even though they hate each other, he still puts them out there. He still scores touchdowns and. They're going to run the wheels off him because they don't own him after this year. Yeah, yeah, that's the... So why not give Kamara a breather? That's the way it goes with running backs. That will absolutely what they do. They're going to split carries. and you, it's, you, If you don't play him, you're insane. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a fifth guy who you pointed out to me, Hayden Hurst, the rookie tight end for the Ravens, uh, could be one of Flacco's favorite targets. Uh, the Ravens are playing very well. Um, they'll improve. Uh, the, he'll improve the short passing game. Uh, which is maybe the biggest weakness of the uh, Ravens right now because Michael Dropsy's Crabtree is not playing well. He's their free agent acquisition that they um, perhaps got a little shady on acquiring, uh, but still they went with him and he's not coming through for them. So they need a guy over the middle. They need a guy to get those third downs. So so I'm glad that, that you are willing to take my advice. Uh, I've earned it over the years. And... Uh, I'm sure that Sean Foss, our rookie expert, would agree that Hayden Hurst is one of the best tight ends that have come out of college in a long time. And the only problem with this whole situation is that the tight end grouping that they have in Baltimore already is pretty deep. I mean, God, the guys, they have like four tight ends on their roster. And guys like Max Williams with two X's, how do you drop a guy like Max, that? Max, well, you can't you drop d- any guy with two X's in his You name. don't drop a guy that has multiple X's. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> that means that he can Vance McDonald somebody. No problem. So, uh, a preview of this week's rookie report. Sean does agree with you, uh, not word for word, but you know, there's too many tight ends. It's a murky situation. Oh, he's got he's got unreleased materials. Yeah, I've got the <laughs> first look at the rookie report this week, guys. What is, I make what all my Sean picks say? and then I publish. Give us a quote from Sean. Uh, so, you know, we need to wait at least a week to see how things play out. Is Sean's you know TLDR? That's what the week do. <laughs> well, he's also including Mark Andrews Or those that have tight ends on their roster that they can play Also another tight end uh, Another rookie tight end I believe True, yes Yeah. So, you know, they've got a lot of options there They're going to develop someone Someone's going to, uh, you know, someone's going to work out there Yeah, well, I, I, we, we talked about, um, you know Who are some, some guys that, that could perform immediately that are coming off 
And all the guys we talked about are guys that should, uh, Devontae Freeman, Joe Mixon, Julian Edelman, Mark Ingram, should make headlines in the fantasy world. But Hayden Hurst is a guy that you probably haven't heard of. Um, so it's just a guy to, to keep your ear out about. And I'm just telling people now, kind of like I was talking about Calvin Ridley, but don't expect this guy to score two touchdowns or even one. I just expect him to be on the tight end radar. Because yeah. tight end's not a great position this year. Oh, you it's got, brutal. you got five or six guys that are scoring points regularly. Um, this has happened. I don't in think the, Jared Cook should be the best one of the best tight ends. This has happened in the past, too. I just I expect Hayden Hurst to be a top 15 tight end right away. And so I want to let you guys know that here's a guy who someone's going to take. It might as well be you. I like that. All right, well, let me let me take this segment. Do you mind? Please. Great. So, guys who are out right now, um, and uh, that that's either because they are out by injury or, or just out of the lineup for other reasons. One, Giovanni Bernard, uh, he has been good but not great in your fantasy lineups. If Mixon comes back, he is then relegated to a flex position in PPR leagues. Uh, if he plays, he's not playing right now. He's not practicing right now. Practicing. But but absolutely, uh, he is still a guy who I would play if I was in need of a running back, but in the lowest position possible to play them. Does that make yeah, sense to you? Yeah, I mean, as a starter, he put up fourteen six and twenty one six in yeah. the standard league. But he's if he's not starting and Joe Mixon is the guy, then clearly Mixon is going to have all of of uh, of the good carries. If he's not starting, he's near Tariq Cohen, like above Tariq Cohen, but in that neighborhood. There you go, slightly above Tariq Cohen, but not last week. Not last well. They, they both had great games last week. We'll give him that. Randall Cobb, um, he, he's having some issues, and it looks like he's not going to start. Now, I could be surprised, but I don't think, I don't think he's out, is he? Um, he hasn't been officially ruled. Officially out, no, but, I mean, he was out last week, too. He'll likely be out. Uh, and he's a DNP right now. Um, the replacements for his position specifically or right around his position are Geronimo Allison, who is going through concussion protocol, and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, who has had two receptions in the NFL. Now, Scantling should be the guy who is set up to succeed based on Cobb not being there. However, um, where the targets go is up for discussion. And so I was talking to you about this offline, and there's a lot of guys that... Um, that that are getting targets now and that could step up. So guys like Jimmy Graham, guys like Ty Montgomery, um, and and clearly you've also got uh, the whole the whole running back squad outside of Ty, um, and you've got some other wide receivers that pepper in and out. Yeah, I, I, it's a shame that we're not getting any equanimous St. Brown this year. <laughs> um, there's also Jamon Moore. He is a rookie. Um, I have no idea if they really plan on using None him. None of those guys are going to get the stuff though right well i mean if we're going to mention marquez valdez scantling then jamon moore at least warrants an honorable mention no you're absolutely right either of those guys could come out of the woodwork and who we really are concerned with in my opinion are uh the people that aaron Rodgers trusts because he throws trust throws he hasn't had a favorite target since jordy nelson no but he he's an excellent quarterback who who likes and favors those people that run routes correctly and so i think that in in my opinion 
he's really liking Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham is a good offensive route runner and can get contested catches. Um, that's also why he likes Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. Uh, the question for me is, will the targets that were going to go to Cobb, etc., because you know they'll still be there, will they go to uh, a Jimmy Graham uh, tight end position or will they go to a Ty Montgomery uh, running back, scat back kind of position? Or will they go to uh, like a, a slot or receiver position and kind of an unknown? So what is your best guess? So just speaking this week about the Lions, the Lions are terrible uh, in the run game. So I expect to see a lot of the traditional run game this week. So Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Um, and then Montgomery less of the scat back. I would say less of that. I think that the targets uh, in this game are going to go more to Devontae Adams and whoever else they got lined up with them uh, and Jimmy Graham. I think it's going to be the pass, you know, the existing pass catchers are going to be the guys getting the targets. So the question is, uh, and I don't think Scantling is going to uh, appear. Do you think he's going to appear? I, I would. I got to assume at this point that Geronimo, Geronimo Allison is going to be back. It'll be Allison, then. and it, and then it'll definitely be Allison. If and he's I, not back, it is going to be Scantling, I guess. And and I don't see you know Aaron Rodgers blowing him up with targets. So in that case, if Allison's not back, for me the money goes to Graham getting yeah. more targets. Graham, and then obviously Devontae Adams is you know probably going to benefit there. The Lions have a bad defense. Well, we don't we don't have to say Devo- you should play Devontae Adams or exactly. else you shouldn't be playing fantasy football. Exactly. Uh, T. Y. Hilton. Got smashed twice on Sunday, and he's going to be out. He had a really rough game. It's a short week, or maybe he would be back. But the question is, where do the targets go? So Marlon Mack is also out. So is Jack Doyle. It's not just T.Y. Hilton's targets that go away. Dave, the list uh, of injuries was a full page long for the Colts. <laughs> right. It is absurd. So, so what we get uh, is Eric Ebron, who is now a number one tight end, uh, we have Ryan Grant, who is has been uh, has had the possibility of of his number of receptions escalate to a near ten with Andrew Luck, and <laughs> and we have uh, Naheem Hines, who has been fantastic and still trending up, and then you have Jordan Wilkins, who has only been an average fill in for Marlon Mack, and even though I like Wilkins and he's a rookie. Uh, he's not helping fantasy teams very much. So I think the targets go to Hines, Ebron, and Grant uh, with the most of the uh, uh, most of the good stuff going directly to uh, Hines with Ebron getting a couple of extra red zone looks. So those guys move from wherever they were to about 10 positions up. Yeah, and I do believe that the Patriots are real vulnerable over the middle. Their linebackers look really slow. So I could see a lot of action from either the running backs or the tight end. So I have Hines uh, at 35, uh, but I might move him up slightly. But he's definitely a flex position in PPR. He might even be a running back too this week because I have a feeling he's going to get peppered with targets. And I have been putting Ebron in the top 10 tight ends every week, but right now he's number seven after Jimmy Graham and George Kittle. Um, I just I think both of those guys are really great. And in, in a year where you can't trust tight ends, Eric Ebron is one of the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's playing, you know, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of inconsistency at tight end. He's at least uh, getting targeted uh, a decent amount of times every week. You know, last week, 10 targets, five catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, uh, Chester Rogers had 11 targets. Zach Pascal had 10 targets. 
Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot to go around. Obviously, 62 pass attempts in the game. There's just going to be a lot of targets. Well, if we look at the highest fantasy points scored so far this year in a standard scoring league, um, Ebron is number four. Okay. Uh, Jared Cook is number one. And George Kittle is number three. <laughs> I like it. And I love Kittle. And I, I, I kind of knew he was a guy already. And you know what's great about him? Kittle knows how to send people to the shadow dimension, too. Is is that CJ, you know, uh, the 49ers quarterback for the rest of the year, targets the tight end even more than Jimmy Garoppolo did. So uh, that's only good news. But who's number two? Number two is Travis Kelsey. Yep. And where is Gronkowski? He's like eight. No. Seven? No. Ten. Eleven. Wow. Where is Zach Ertz? Because I know that he is number one in targets. Top five. So the, the guys that you want as a tight end right now are Cook, Kelsey, Kittle, and I wish all of them had a C or K sound associated with them, but they don't. The other ones and are E's. Carrick, Kebron. Ebron and Ertz. <laughs> so you got a cut or an E, eh, and that's that's pretty much all you got right now. Uh, but you're looking at guys above Gronkowski, uh, like Will Disley and Jesse James, which means... There's a serious problem with the Patriots right now. I do believe that with uh, um, Edelman returning, you'll see less double coverage on Gronk, but there's no reason for teams to stop double covering Gronk. It's clearly working. Well, not only that, but but dissidents between you know the coaching and uh, and uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski threatening to retire. Issues with the front he office. He only threatened to retire if they traded him. Look, they they. I think that that stuff is all, you know, water under the bridge now. So I disagree because I wouldn't bring it up if there wasn't a, a major issue here with actual fantasy production. The, there definitely is the a bottom fantasy line production is, issue now. Bottom line is the guy's not producing. Right. And, you know, I, I don't think it's because of drama with the team, though. I think it's because the team is playing poorly. Well, I don't think we know, but I think that Gronkowski has his mind on other things. But I do agree with you that he could they could totally bring it back. And I'm expecting both the Patriots and Steelers uh, to do better in October. Do you think that Rob Gronkowski is jealous of Le'Veon Bell's mixtape? <laughs> and he wants to go jet skiing with him? Nobody's jealous of Le'Veon Bell's mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talked about the Colts. Larry Fitzgerald struggled. Uh, he might be injured. He might keep playing. But they have a new quarterback there in Josh Rosen, and he really likes Christian Kirk. Um, if we have time later, we'll talk about some of these guys that you should pick up uh, before they're good. And one of those guys is Christian Kirk. And I think that you're seeing the beginning of a, of a new offense and a rebuilding situation that they're going to rebuild around Rosen and David Johnson. So... I don't think that Larry Fitzgerald is is really going to be involved, and I think he's going to end up retiring at the end of the year. It's a shame. I mean, he doesn't need many yards to uh, break the record. He'll, he'll still probably get, his get passes. there. Yeah, but yeah, lately it's been really bad. Well, it's not like I they would can not start him. It's not like they can try like they were doing the previous year or two to try to get back into the the playoffs. They're done. They're not going to be in the playoffs. They the best they can do is to improve slowly as a team. I I think that Rosen at some point is going to realize that he's a very reliable and good receiver and will start throwing to him again. Um, But I don't know when that's going to be. And this is the kind of situation where I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to try and guess that this is the week. Well, again, Fitz is only playable now in PPR leagues. Thankfully, you didn't draft him as a top 10 receiver. but I would say he's not even playable in PPR. But a lot of people drafted him just outside of that. So we'll see. We'll wait on that. But I agree that we should sit him uh, going forward um, until something changes. 
Uh, Leonard Fournette, TJ Yeldon should continue to fill in. This guy has hamstring issues up the wazoo. It's going to continue to happen. This is a career thing now. It's going to happen all the time. And he is a talented running back who you should not have drafted. <laughs> yeah. When uh, people are offering me Leonard Fournette, um, you know, I, I, I look at the trade. I don't care what you're asking for. I don't want to deal with Leonard Fournette. I don't want to deal with the guessing. Is he going to start? Is he only going to play for, you know, the first quarter? But you he's know? been great when he's healthy. So what they really need to do is is just sit him for like six weeks. Yeah, shut him down for a little while. Then bring him back, and then maybe he'll, you know, be present in the playoffs because the Jacksonville Jaguars will. Um. Yeah, The Jag- in the week AFC, the Jaguars definitely have a shot at at least a wild card. Evan Engram, uh, the, he's been out, and he will be out for two to four weeks. Uh, that was as of last week. So we'll see exactly what happens with that situation. I think it depends on the, um, the seriousness of the injury, which I have not heard any updates on. But Rhett Ellison, who a bunch of experts said, don't start, um, not someone that, that you should pick up, not someone that you should look into, had five targets last week, which is very decent in uh, tight end wasteland world. Uh, <laughs> and he plays against the Carolina Panthers this week, which allows the sixth most, most fantasy points to tight ends. So... I think Rhett Ellison with Evan Engram out on a Giants offense, um, especially one that has an offensive line that is still a little suspect, I should expect to at least meet or maybe exceed the number of targets, in which case we have to rate Rhett Ellison as at least uh, you know, a, a back-end uh, waiver-wire tight-end fill-in play. I am fine with that. I could see him as being a a weekly top 12 guy uh, as long as he's starting. At this point, right, yeah. It, the biggest problem with him, just like everybody else on his team, is his quarterback is Eli Manning, who is, you know, five years too old now. There you go. Five years. Yeah, a lot of years. a relevant song for the relevant topic coming up. So what I want to know... We do have we do have limited time, so we're going to have to kind of... Right, but we're going to reveal these secrets to everyone. All right. Here in the last 15 minutes of the show. We want to know... Uh, Write that down. Who can we add that will be relevant <laughs> in a few weeks? Not, not this week, but in a few weeks. Um, do we have two or three suggestions, maybe, for bench stashes that are going to develop into starters? So, Dave, uh, you you have a bunch of guys that you like right now. What do you think? Give me, give me some names. You want me to go over them? Yeah. Okay, so the first one I have is Cortland Sutton. Are you familiar with Sutton? Oh, yeah, he looked great on Monday night. Okay, so he's a, he's a rookie, um, and he has only played since the season started. And he's been, <laughs> he's been involved. As rookies are wont to do. He's been involved in each game. Uh, and he's only had uh, between one and three receptions in each game. However, last three games uh, has built from one to two to three, with yardage growing nine to 37 to 51. That's a trend. That's a trend. And uh, the average uh, has been pretty high in the last two games, 18.5 and 17, which means two things. One, uh, he's being trusted by Case Keenum for longer passes, almost 20 yards, which is excellent. Uh, And two... 
Um, it's a guy that we can look at not to replace Demarius Thomas, but maybe to replace his production because Demarius Thomas is simply not a good wide receiver with this current setup. He can't run away from anyone anymore. Demarius Thomas reminded me of a Des Bryant who was probably a much nicer guy and a way better teammate. (laughs) There you go. But now that you've got this guy who used to just run away from everybody, you can't run away from anyone. Yeah, separation is a problem. Yeah, he can't get away at all. So I think Denver needs that other receiver. I think he steps up and starts taking Thomas's receptions. I think uh, by week 10, this guy's getting six, seven, eight receptions per game, which is going to put him squarely uh, in that wide receiver two, uh, wide receiver three range, startable on your team. That's what I think. What I was encouraged with with Cortland Sutton is that Case Keenum likes to throw to him at the really important moments of the game. Third down, fourth quarter, the times when they need it the most, and that is how a quarterback and a wide receiver develop into a great tandem. So you agree? I agree. I think that he is going to be uh, a trending up player for a lot of the year. Yeah. So so here's a guy that, again, um, I think will be valuable in a regular standard scoring fantasy league, and that's a lot. And that's what I'm, I'm putting all this in. Uh, you can say, this guy could be good in PPR because he has four receptions. But that doesn't mean he's a great player. I think that Sutton will be a great player, turn into uh, the wide receiver two on that team behind Sanders. And I Oh, think, Sanders is playing so well this year. And I think he will be a valuable fantasy asset to uh, to leagues that, that play three wide receivers at the end of the year. All right, who's next? Uh, I have Kiki Cutie. Who is uh, another is it rookie? Cutie or Cootie? It's Cutie, I believe. Okay. Uh, uh, who's kind of the slot guy in the Texans? And there's been a lot of guys that operated in the slot over the past couple of years. Here's the newest guy. However, a guy who has a great relationship with Deshaun Watson, and a guy whose first game in the NFL gave him 11 receptions for 109 yards. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So now, what you do breakout need... game? Yes, yes, definitely. Cootie, Cutie may pick up later in the year but if will fuller ever sits i could see cutie being relevant much sooner right but deshaun watson likes to throw the ball and he's a slot guy which means that he's going to be able to move around and uh and get open while uh deshaun watson is escaping from the he's busy running around back there letting the clock expire yeah from defensive pressures (laughs) well watson has been it's been doing better he's uh, actually is is up there in like the top 12 quarterbacks even patrick mahomes is going to return to earth at some point (laughs) everyone's going to yeah but but, i mean we have a perennial guy who's top 15 row that's that's just who he is watson yeah i see that yeah and so he's he's one of those guys he's got uh amazing wide receivers now and i just think and you need that he needs that but i think kiki now is the third guy who is also awesome so i i believe that what we're seeing here is Houston, and by the way, their defense is starting to step up. Three too. wide receivers at once is way too complicated for Bill O'Brien's offense. <laughs> well, you're not going to see that from this coach. I don't know. I'm just saying their defense is starting to step up. I see their offense doing well. I would not be surprised to see Houston go on a winning streak. Yeah, they won one game in overtime. I thought that they would do better. It's about the pieces. I'm. I don't. I'm, I haven't. I'm not paying attention to the games they've already played. I'm just saying based on statistics and people. Uh, regardless of any of that, I like Kiki. I think he's really good. I think this proves it. Um, this is not a flash in the plant, uh, pan performance. Yeah. This is an actual performance. And so I think this is a guy who you want on your team. Now, again, especially in PPR, he's a slot guy. He's going to get five or six receptions a game. Yeah. But 11 every game? No. No. He's but, not Michael Thomas. But 
with Will Fuller sometimes having hammy issues, et cetera, you're right in saying if Fuller is out, this guy's going to get 100-plus yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's going to take all the production that Fuller had when he pl- when he plays for him. Yeah. Uh, Christian Kirk, uh, we talked about a little bit. He's uh, the favorite receiver of Rosen. He's going to develop into something great. Great guy to have in Dynasty. Good guy to have in a deep league. I think he'll work into someone who you might want to play. But it's going to be hard for me to say that this year uh, you should actually start him in your offense until we see more. I concur. Um, he has had four, seven, and four receptions in the last uh, few weeks. But, you know, the two games we had four catches, he had 27 and 28 yards. Jordan, so just like Taylor Gabriel, it's not turning into enough offense with the touches he's getting. Yeah, but the difference between him and Taylor Gabriel is that is that here's an actual prototypical wide receiver that will be the wide receiver one. When oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a guy who's developing rather than Taylor Gabriel. You yeah. know what you've got. Right. Uh, Jordan Matthews just scored a 56-yard touchdown. Now, as you many, say just as in that's the only catch he had in the game. Well, as as many <laughs> as many of you know, uh, you know he was was taken by the Patriots after being on the on the Bills after being let go by the Eagles. Uh, I was a Matthews owner in Dynasty, and I think everyone, um, Sean Fossigan, rookie expert for Drink Five, would tell you that Matthews is a is a guy, a guy with good hands that could play slot and a little bit outside back and forth. Um, but because the Eagles were having problems with their receivers, they picked him back up. Now, he's worked with Wentz. He's worked with the Eagles. He understands how to play. He's and, not played with Wentz before. And he's healthy. Uh, and so I think that what we'll see here is uh, a guy that is going to, to continue to play more and more snaps and a guy who will be surprisingly good on the Eagles' offense. Uh, actually, I think I might agree. When did Wentz start? Was last year's rookie year or was it the year before that? I, I, I think I'm correct, 16? but I don't want to take too much time out of the show here. Okay. We can we could we could just uh, print a re uh uh if I'm <laughs> if I'm wrong we'll just print something at the We'll retract it, yeah. yeah. No, I think you're right. Um Deion Lewis, we mentioned him earlier, right? He had nine receptions for sixty six yards last year. Or sorry, last week. And Derek Henry has not been doing very well behind this line. A lot of that could be blamed I, on the bad offense. Yeah, I, I just I don't think he belongs on this list is all. Because he's 87% owned. I think he's a guy who's had regular action already. Okay. That's all. That's fine. If he's available, then you should clearly pick him up. Uh, Dede Westbrook, nine receptions for 130. Props for pronouncing his name correctly. 130 yards last game. He has a high usage pattern. Uh, the past uh, couple games, I believe he's had 80 yards, uh, two out of those three games. And uh, Bortles is throwing it a whole lot more with Fournette injured and TJ Yeldon being a suitable but not great replacement. Um, we're getting a lot of Bortles. And I am a believer in the Jacksonville passing offense. And as much as people want to try to put it down, they continue to put up games with more than 300 yards, more than a couple touchdowns happening over and over again. Yeah, And it's going to continue to happen. So whether or not you like Bortles in the passing offense – it will still score me fantasy points. In Jacksonville is playing Kansas City, then they're playing Dallas, two teams that are giving up lots of points. So Westbrook, uh, and, and tell me how how what percentage of uh, people own him? Day uh, Day <laughs> is in Yahoo leagues, anyways, only owned by thirty seven percent of play- teams. Right, and he definitely just, uh, you know deserves to be on this. And list. he just had nine for one thirty, and that's after waivers. It is after waivers. This is Wednesday night now, folks. Who, who is not picking up the guy that had 9 for 130 
on a passing offense. Everyone rushes out to pick up Calvin Ridley, but no one rushes out to pick up Day-Day Westbrook. And this is why we're telling you this. No respect at all. Uh, lastly, and uh, I understand this is deeper, but I do believe it, is Michael Gallup, who's a rookie, one of the top rookies drafted, I think, in the first round in the 2018 draft. Uh, he is trending up, but slowly. The reason that I like him is because there's zero competition on the <laughs> roster. He, he is clearly the wide receiver one, and, and he will become a fantasy-relevant starter at the end of the year because he's the only receiver worth starting in the Cowboys. He is a third-round pick. The only problem I have with that is he's oh. only got five catches on the year. Yes, but it's, it's trending up. You, you have to understand that this, I guess. Is, this is just like Ridley, man. What did Ridley have when we talked about him? When you brought up, yeah, but Ridley was like a stud prospect. Well, Gallup was still a first-round fantasy rookie draft uh, uh, selection. Anyway. The dynasty. First-round dynasty. The point is that I, I realized this is not a Ridley. I already had the Ridley pick. That already happened. Um, now we're, we're moving on. I to, want the next Ridley, Dave. Well, if you want it, then I suggest you take uh, a QT. Yes. Well, you took him from me. I, from, I had a claim in on him. It wasn't from but you had higher priority. It wasn't from your team. <laughs> also, Cortland Sutton, I think, will be great uh, later this year, which is why those guys are the top two guys on my list. Great. So you want to move on to the lineup questions? Okay. Uh, we have a couple minutes, so let's let's get into these really quickly. We have one for each offensive position, not including kicker and defense. Quarterback, Kirk Cousins at Philadelphia versus Blake Bortles at Kansas City. I find this really difficult. Philadelphia's defense is better than Kansas City's. Kirk Cousins is better than Blake Bortles. What do you say? I still want to pick Blake Bortles in this situation, right? Um, I think that's the right He gets the good yeah. matchup. He's got, he's got more time with his team. Kirk Cousins hasn't played with his guys enough yet. He's got better weapons, but he just hasn't played with them enough yet. And you say better weapons, but heck, the three receivers on the Jaguars could all be capable of 10 receptions and 150 yards. Yeah, but none of them are as good as Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. And that's, and that's crazy, isn't it? That Bortles can do that well with guys that are not as good as, as Adam Thielen? Hey, Bortles is the <laughs> boat, man. So you're finally on board with me. You love the Bortles now. He's the boat. Yes. Uh, dude, come on. We have dug the Jaguars ever since Cecil Shorts. I know, but people have given me such hard times. I, I've owned him in a couple of leagues for a long time where people are like, why do you have Bortles? I said, well, yeah, he won me a league. You know, no big deal. You should just be like, well, I went to Jacksonville and had some beers with him. It was, was a good time. I was in the pool. It was fine. <laughs> uh, so we both agree. Blake Bortles over Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't I don't think that it's a it's a lot of a difference, but I think that it's a difference. Uh, if it was a lot of a difference, we wouldn't have to bring it up. Two guys on the same team, Sony Michelle. Uh, and James White versus Indianapolis in a standard scoring league. Uh, can you pull up the amount of points that they both scored in a standard league last week? Uh, yeah, so Sony Michelle, I know, had 25 carries last week. Uh, great game for him. Put up um, 17.2, 112 yards, one touchdown. Uh, James White, and of course both these guys. Touchdowns. Of course, both these guys are kind of breaking out now uh, uh, because of Rex Burkhead going on IR, yeah. who was who was going to be the incumbent guy. But but New England, as always, has several running backs on their roster that could be. Uh, game winners. Yeah, so James White had 23.2 last week. Uh, he gets a slight edge. Both of these guys owned in most leagues, so you're probably not going to find them on the waiver wire. Um, who do I like this week? It's not about the waiver wire. It's no, a... no, it's not. I just figured I'd mention that they're already taken. Don't bother looking. Well, I, I would look for White still. 
Um, he's probably less You're right. than he, Michelle. White's been picked up a whole bunch. Um, but what I want to know is what 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 is Indy giving up to running backs? So we we did touch on this a little bit earlier. Um, I see. I don't see them on the list. They're right in the middle. Twenty four point five points per game here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, they gave up a big game to Joe Mixon at the beginning of the year. They gave a big game to Wendell Smallwood. Uh, so those are kind of the the every down backs that were used in that game. So or no, Wendell Smallwood was not the every down back in that game. After four weeks is pretty rough. You look at the Colts and yeah, what I what tough. I can see is two touchdowns by running backs rushing, zero uh, by receptions. Uh, but that number might be. Uh, just because of of other factors. Aside from Chris Thompson, who is going to just catch the ball all over the place, they're kind of holding the receiving guys down a bit. Uh, I would take Sony Michelle in this matchup. We're so, going Frenchie here. So I take James White because I, I love him and I have him on three teams. However, I do rank Michelle higher, and so I must actually put that down in the ink. I have Michelle ranked 11 and James White ranked 13. And I love having two New England running backs in the top 15. Do you know what that means for me this week? It means that they're New Orleans light. <laughs> it, it means that uh, I, I believe New England wins this game uh, and runs the ball. I agree. And I think that when there's a lot of carries to be had, it's going to Michelle. Sure, yes. So at wide receiver, we got Will Fuller playing Dallas versus John Brown who is going to be going to Cleveland with his Ravens. Um, Brown had a good game last week, but Fuller, in the amazing stat category, has caught a touchdown in every single game where he has played with Deshaun Watson. So I think that there's no reason for that not to continue. So I would have to go Will Fuller here. We talk about trends. Is eight games enough? <laughs> yeah, He's I, just going to catch a touchdown every game. I really like John Brown. Um but, but I still rank Will Fuller one higher because of exactly what Jason said. you got to go with Fuller. Yeah. And at tight end, David Njoku. Njoku? Njoku. Njoku. Uh, playing Baltimore versus Vance McDonald, who is going to be playing Atlanta. Um, we talked about him offline. Vance is a beast. Yeah. And uh, the Steelers need to find you know more offensive weapons that they can rely on. Antonio Brown is having a down year, if you will. Um, so there's a lot of juju on the team. Yeah, because he's being triple teamed. But, but yeah. exactly, it's like <laughs> it's the Gronk thing. It's like you know the great player is getting a lot of attention from the defense. Yeah. yeah. At some point, it's going to catch up to them. Um, so I like Vance McDonald here because I think that that game is going to be a shootout. Vance McDonald could easily have one or two touchdowns. They're really close. Uh, the Falcons have been giving up 11.1 fantasy points. Uh, the Ravens have been giving up 10.6 or 10.0, depending on how well I can read this chart at this time of night. And uh, that's that's within you know a margin of error. So what you have to go with, I what guess. What that margin is, we'll find out later. Well, what you have to go with is the team that you think will be uh, trying to go to that safety valve more often. Uh, and looking at who they're going against, uh, the the Falcons uh, versus um, versus who are they? Who is uh, the Falcons are playing the Steelers, man? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm talking about uh, Cleveland. Who are they? Who are they playing? Oh, Cleveland's playing Baltimore. Okay, so uh, I I guess I would think that the Steelers might end up using their tight end more often. So I I, I think I'll give Vance that edge. And I do have him at eight, and uh, and David at nine. 
And Vince McDonald, obviously with Jesse James around, uh, there's some sharing going on. But not really Vince has been getting good. You know, at least five. You know, five targets a week. It's a trend. All right. Well, uh, unless there's anything else. No, I uh, I'm ready to cheers and sign off. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening very much. Again, is one uh, one uh, happy bunch of guys that signs off from Drink Fives Fantasy Football Podcast fantasy finish line and we'll see you guys next week on wednesday 9 p.m central time as we join you with special guest vince foss for jason's birthday show oh that's true we'll see you guys next week